There goes that man's jock strap. <laughs> oh my god, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by Candidips. Humboldt County's very own CBD pouches. The best alternative if you're looking to kick that nasty tobacco tobacco addiction. All the best flavors with all the CBD benefits. I personally love this stuff and would definitely give a five-star rating. Use code League of Their Own 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Hello, hello. Coming to you live on a Thursday, not a Wednesday or a Friday. Uh, a little different this week, but nonetheless, how's it going, my dude? Oh, it's going. Looking forward to some great games this weekend. Just getting ready for it. Yeah, same here. Um, again, thank you to everybody tuning in here on YouTube, watching uh, all of our audio listeners on those platforms. Welcome to you as well, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, for all of our socials, you can find them in the link below. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, any breaking news, memes, anything sports-related, posting all that stuff over there. Um, and again, you can find those in the link below. For our audio listeners, uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify, you can also find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, anywhere associated with Anchor. Uh, Anchor distributes us to all those platforms uh, for our listeners. Um, and as always, um, our merch, uh, streamerloot.co, you can find that in the link below. Uh, T-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, all that good stuff, you can find that over there. And lastly, um, again, been throwing it out there the last couple episodes. Uh, we're doing a holiday raffle for a mystery box of your choice um, from the NFL, NHL, or MLB. It's worth up to $70. To join, you can DM us on any of our socials or email us at in a league of their own podcast at gmail.com. It is a $10 entry for your first entry, second or five for your second, and five for your third with a max of three entries for $20. If you're interested in joining that, like I said, feel free to DM us or email us uh, to get entered and for more details. Uh, jumping into our content here for the day, my first question for you. Uh, with Carson Wentz potentially being out this weekend with COVID, the Colts reach out to former quarterback Philip Rivers. Uh, turns out he declined, whether he's got other stuff going on or he just isn't looking to get back into the league. Um, do you think it makes sense for them to bring in another QB, even though they're a run-heavy offense behind Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, actually I do, just because of the fact that their third-string quarterback potentially right now will also be out this weekend. So they really are only down to one eligible quarterback if both are unable to pass the new protocols that are put in place. So they do need a backup in case something happens to him. Otherwise your season is gone. If you don't have a quarter, a legitimate quarterback playing quarterback for your team um, when your season's on the line. So I feel like they're definitely, Going to be signing somebody if, obviously, we'll know by Saturday whether they're going to pick, you know, a free agent up for the game on Sunday or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, I think that they should at least go go and get one more guy. Whether or not you keep him 
how long you keep him could be a day, could be two days, three days, you know, just to have a guy if, if the case may be, but yeah, I think it would be smart on their part to do that, especially their winner basically done. Yeah, it's definitely, again, some of these teams getting hit with COVID uh, two weeks ago and last week are kind of the heavy parts going through the league. Um, and this is kind of the talking point this week of the Colts being, like you said, on the fence of winning in, lose, and you're down into that less than five percentile of you need this and this and this to go right, and you need to win your last uh, game of the year too. Um, obviously, the Colts would rather keep it their destiny in their hands and win this game. Um, but yeah, even under a run-heavy offense, you still need a good quarterback that can check to the run, check out of the run, um, based on what the defense is giving. Because uh, otherwise, if you just throw out a very young quarterback and you know the defense knows, all right, they're just going to run the ball. If they can shut down the run game at all, the Colts are going to struggle big time. Um, so yeah, it makes sense for them to bring in somebody. Again, hopefully, um, before we went live, you were saying that there was speculation that Carson Wentz passed his first day of test today. Um, so he still has tomorrow and Saturday to show that second test or just get through the protocols and he should be good for Sunday. But yeah, it's going to be a very like Saturday, like Saturday. Oh, he failed his test. All right. We need you on an airplane. Like we need you here now, like kind of, kind of situation. So it's going to be interesting how that works out. Hopefully it doesn't. Cause again, um, after the Colts start to the season, definitely pulling for them to kind of get the, go the distance. And especially Jonathan Taylor, again, former Wisconsin Badger leading that offense. Great to see the year he's having as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then over to my first question for you here, Aaron Rodgers wins NFC offensive player of the month. At this point in the year, with the, with the stats that he's put up over the last five games, I think his passer rating was 130, zero, zero interceptions. I think he had 16 touchdowns, and he was throwing at like a 75% completion percentage. Like the stats themselves alone, does this basically lock up the MVP for him, bearing a disaster? I would say so, and I mean – Again, we're in December football. These December games are more and more important every week. Again, coming down to the last two weeks here, it's anything I've ever seen that growing up as a football fan of how close some of these races are, how many teams are still in the hunt, still in the race. Um, and the, the year that he's having on top of it with the high level that all these teams are playing at, for him to still be well above a lot of these teams performing at the level he is. I think that it's, yeah, him winning that award this month, again, the stats he's putting out, the wins he's been able to put together against some really good defenses like the Ravens, like the Browns, um, despite them being close games, a win is a win. Um, and by his play, again, 16 touchdowns, zero picks, none of it's really his doing. If, like these games really being close. Again, we were talking last episode about, LaFleur and some of the like play calling be taking the, the foot off the gas a little bit. I'm sure Rogers wants to keep going out there, throwing balls, throwing like rack, racking up points. Um, which again, ha had they do done that the past couple of weeks and not took the foot off the gas, you could probably add three or four more touchdowns and a couple hundred more yards to those stats. If they weren't running the ball three times, punting, running the ball three times, punting, trying to play key, like 
just trying to run the clock instead of playing more strategic. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of the other guys, again, going back to the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, I know he's still um, in the top five for kind of the MVP race. Tom Brady is the second best odds right now, but his kind of slide the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Cup. Cooper Cup as well with him going for the receiving triple crown, which hasn't been done again since 2005 or 2007, one of those two years. Um, but yeah, I mean, rare, rare you see a back-to-back MVP. Usually the NFL tries to steer away from that just to keep things fresh and have a new face of the NFL every year of this is the best guy next year. Okay. Now this is the best guy for Rogers to do it back-to-back years. Um, again, the touchdowns aren't quite there. The yards aren't quite there where they were last year, where I think he was at 45 touchdowns last year. And right now he's at 32, something like that. So not going to quite hit his numbers last year, but the efficiency is better. The passer rating is better. And they're going to end up hopefully with a 14 and three season, which is better than the last few years as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's no brainer. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think definitely he's he's the most valuable player, and like it's stupid that the NFL does it that way because obviously they they're never going to give it to it, not a quarterback, just because of how important they made the rules and all that stuff to the quarterback. It's always going to be a quarterback, but yeah, I mean what he's doing is just incredible. Um, and to do it, you know, consistently, basically throughout his whole entire career, which is, you know, you kind of see guys drop off later in their careers or have down years. He's never really had like a terrible year. No. And what the media has called a down year for him, I think it was 24 touchdowns, two picks. It's where he's at the end of the year. A down year for me by the by these reporters standards is a career year for most of these other quarterbacks so again (laughs) like people put him on such a high pedestal and he meets it and if he barely meet if he doesn't meet it barely oh it's a down year but he's still leading the the league in a handful of stats usually (laughs) like listen to those numbers touchdowns and interceptions starting in 09 basically well okay i'll start in the beginning well, that's the year he first, took the. Well, that's when he started. Oh, his first year no, he started was 2008. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He went 28 and 13 his first year, 30 and seven the next, 28 and 11, 45 and six, 39 and eight, 17 and six, 38 and five, 31 and eight, 40 and seven, 16 and six, 25 and two, 26 and four, 48 and five, 33 and four. He's yeah, a 33 that, and four right now. That 22 and two year that you mentioned, whatever, three or four years 25, ago. 25 and two. Yeah. 2018. That was his down year, <laughs> which again, two, t- like two interceptions is just absurd. Yeah. Absurd stats right there. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, like Jonathan Taylor would be right there as well because the Colts won't be where they are without him. But yeah, it's got to go to our man A Rod. Yeah. Kind of sticking with the quarterback conversation, my last NFL question for you. Um, Aaron Rodgers having, again, another MVP season, talking about some of the great quarterbacks this year. Which starting quarterback currently has the most unstable future with their team where we might not see them in the same uniform next year? 
Damn. Uh, I feel like there's a handful, to be honest. <sighs> Daniel, well, Daniel Jones, his job's secure. You can count that good. So Drew Locke, Taysom Hill, and James Winston, you can ha- add them on there. Jalen Hurts is set. Mac Jones is set. Two is good. Trey Lance. Who knows if he's going to play or not? Jimmy G. Then Carson Wentz. Obviously, he's kind of proven himself this year. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. Currently done. Roethlisberger, he's done. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Like, obviously, they just drafted him number one, but it's just like if they're redoing their whole entire franchise, bringing in new coaches and all this stuff, it's like, does the new coach want this guy? Yeah. Or is there somebody better? You know, like there's a lot of quarterbacks I feel like that could, you know, Baker, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. Like, who knows if Stafford's going to stay? Ryan, is he going to retire? Deshaun Watson. His name, I'm sure, is going to be in the mix. Tannehill, he's struggled as of late. Do the Titans need a quarterback? Like, there's really only three or four jobs that are like, all right, dude, Aaron Rodgers, throw him in that situation. Nobody knows what he's doing, even though he said earlier today that he's not going to, like, drag out a situation after the year's over, and he's just basically going to decide what he's going to do basically after the season's over, not too long into it, so he doesn't drag – Packers on or all these other teams on depend, you know, whatever the case may be. Russell Wilson, where's you know, that situation as well. It's like Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, Mahomes, Tua, Mac Jones. That's it. Like the oh, Dak Prescott question mark on him too it's like he's not their guaranteed guy even though they paid him a lot of fucking money he hasn't proven anything yeah so like the, the quarterback hence why we there was like what four or five quarterbacks that are still on their team from like 2008's draft it's just like that's insane mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of quarterbacks i feel like jobs potentially are unstable especially with new coaches and all that stuff too. It's like all these organizations change so much year to year. It's like they say that's like 60 per, 60%-ish turnover year to year. So out of all those quarterbacks, and I agree with you that they're all, again, walking on thin ice, some ice thinner than others. I guess give me one, two, maybe three of those that you're – throw the car down, throw all your life savings. This guy is not going to be with this team next year. Baker Mayfield. I really don't think they stick with him. Drew Locke. Taylor Heineke. Taysom Hill. Actually, take the Taysom Hill pick back. Ryan Tannehill. Or I already said him, didn't I? No, you didn't. Tannehill and Russ. 
I really don't think that he's going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I all those as well, I think, are kind of in that top, like, getting shots either by moving them or just they're going to be a number two or number three quarterback. Because, like, I could have said Roethlisberger, you know, I could have said those guys and just been an asshole because they're retiring. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that. Like, I could have said Sam Darnold, too. It's like he's not even a starter. Yeah. Oh, Cam Newton, I guess I should put in that conversation. Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, those two, I should say, I don't think either one of those is going to be on the Panthers next year. So it's yeah. like there's a handful that are for sure. Basically, I like, see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I again, like half the league is a good chance of moving. And like you said, there's only five, six guys that are like, all right, you're good for – the next three to five years we'll check in with you and see if we made the playoffs if we won any conference championships or any super bowls because even though josh allen patrick mahomes are household names they could lay an egg and have three or four losing seasons in a row and then what do you got to do you got to move on from those guys if they're if their play is the issue obviously if they're putting up 40 points a game and your defense is giving up 50, then okay. It's not your offense. It's your defense. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting this off season kind of covering uh, all the movements, uh, retirements again, with retiring Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, I, th- I think are the two. Um, again, Tom was always hinting at he could play for another five years, but again, if he keeps getting the shit kicked out of him and the age catches up to him fast and they make an early playoff exit, he could be like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, all these guys are going to be, be on a different team or taking a step down and playing, being number two to, on their, bringing somebody else in. So. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. And you know, as we get closer and closer to the end, it's really going to determine a lot of a lot of these situations that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then my last question for the NFL here for you, does Dallas lose this weekend? Do they find a way to lose to the Cardinals? I think they don't. Cowboys on a four game heater and the Cardinals have lost three straight now. I, I honestly think like, I honestly think Dallas is good. Cause what do they need? Well, they already secured a spot, so they don't really... Old teams did. Yeah, because the Cardinals secured it even though they lost because the Saint, the Dolphins beat the Saints, so that got them in. Um, so, I mean, but both are automatically in. Catching the, yeah, there goes their chance of catching the Rams for the division and not being a wild card team. Yeah. Well, they even need... The first, they could be the second wild card team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Cardinals could... Yeah, they could be the second or the third wild card team, depending on <laughs> if they lose out and the teams below them all win out the rest of the way. And the Cardinals or the Rams actually, I think I saw the Rams win, Cardinals lose this weekend, Rams lock up the division. So that could be a wrap this week. So I mean, again, there's that energy for the Cardinals of we need to win this to try to still get our division. But yet again, they've had that same mentality the last three weeks of we need to win to secure playoff spot. They lose. We need to win to secure playoff spot. They lose. We need to win. They lose. But by technicalities of other teams, they find a way in. Um, 
I think that again, Dallas, they've they're kind of finding that, like you've said multiple times, Dak Prescott, like questionable whether he can win that the Dallas Cowboys the Super Bowl. They seem to do a lot better when they're almost 60-40 to the run. Um more play action stuff to like open up their offense. Um, and their defense is playing phenomenal as well. And I think that the Cardinals, I don't know. I nothing about them the last month of watching them play has impressed me. And the Cowboys are trending up. Uh, so I think that the Cowboys get it done in Arizona. I think it's gonna be a close game. At least I'm hoping it's a close game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I see Dallas pulling it out and again putting the Arizona Cardinals seeding for the playoffs in as a big question mark. Yeah, see, I'm going to take the other side. I think the Cardinals are going to find a way to come through here because if if they don't, there's no they're going out round one of the playoffs. Like, this streak that they've been on, this is the game that they need to save it right now. Like, this is the game where they can turn it around, facing the Cowboys, who's ahead of them in seeding, which they would swap spots just like that. Bang. Cowboys would then fall to, obviously – They'd fall from two to four, but it's, I don't know. I feel like this is really the Cardinal season on the line, like this game. And Cowboys defense has been playing phenomenal four straight games in a row. Now they've had like four takeaways, I think, or three takeaways. I think this is the game that their defense gets. I feel like Dak Dak Prescott's going to play terrible. And their defense isn't going to show up like they have the past four weeks. A running quarterback, Kyler Murray, James Conner in the backfield. They got their guys back from COVID finally after who were out. You know, like this team, this team has to find a way to win. And I, I'm going to put my money in and say that Kyler Murray leads them to victory because Kyler Murray is better than Dak Prescott. Yeah, but honestly, I think it could go either way. Like I said, I yeah, have a feeling it's going to be a close game. It should be a close game. I mean, statistically, as to where how both teams at their peaks have played this year. If peak Arizona and peak Dallas show up, it should be a hell of a game. But, again, like you're, like you're thinking, like, the, the Cowboys are kind of hit a downslide and shit the bed. The Cardinals have shit the bed three weeks straight, so I think they continue it. I guess it's a matter of – do, do, does Dallas stay hot or does Arizona break their shit streak? So, um, yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch. Is that the game of the week? I feel like it should be. <laughs> it's 325. Yeah, so it's a game of the week then. Um, I don't know what other games, other matchups are this week. I know Green Bay plays uh, Minnesota, Sunday, Minnesota night. Sunday night. Browns and the Steelers play Monday night, which is a huge implication. Broncos Chargers play, which has implications. Dolphins and the Titans, huge game. Um, Falcons and the Bills, Falcons lose. Their season's done. Chiefs, Bengals fighting for top spot slash home. They're fighting for home field advantage, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Bucks are going to walk the Jets. Patriots are going to wax the Jags. Giants Bears should be a good game, even though there's really no meaning behind it. But did you say Rams Ravens? 
I don't think it's going to be close. I mean, there's because Lamar there's, was out of practice again today. Yeah. Well, I'm he just saying there's a lot on the line. Left limping and. I'm just saying it's a game that there's there's a lot on the line of it. Of Rams can secure the division if the Cardinals lose. The Ravens need to win. Right now they're out. The Ravens were one first one and two seed, like basically three or four weeks straight. And now they're the first team out in the AFC, I'm pretty sure. At least they were. I think that they still are. Yeah, they're eighth. So the first team out right now. And uh yeah, the Miami has the same record, but they have the head to head. They have a division tiebreaker and the head to head over Baltimore. So and it seems under Baltimore, Chargers, if they could figure their shit out, Cleveland turned things around, Raiders, like Denver. I mean, a lot of these teams that are still in the hunt have shown that they can play and beat good teams. And Baltimore is just all the injuries from earlier this year are starting to catch up on top of the ones that they're getting now at the end of the and year. And on too. top of COVID that they got smacked with too, dude. Like their team literally if they find a way to make the playoffs, like this has got to be the most incredible put together shit show of the season that the Baltimore Ravens have probably ever experienced in franchise history. But even if they make it first round exit, probably, you know what I mean? Like, well, do they get their guys back at that point? Do they get some guys back at that point? Like, that's always the question. Some of these guys, they lost way early in the year to season ending injuries. Are they good to go playoff time? Like that's a full season. Yeah, well, no, because like Marcus Peters, Marcus ACL, Peters. ACL out. J.K. Dobbins, ACL. Those are all full year. They had recoveries. three guys ACL, right. But I'm talking about the other 15 out of their 18 starters that were on the injury reserve. Yeah, I guess it'd be like, like looking at those to see. Are they going to get their running backs back? Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it'll be an interesting, like, It'd be a shit show if they can find a way in, which I don't think they do. And if they do, even if they get some guys back, they're definitely not a top three team out of the AFC, so they're not going to make it far, I don't think. But You can't count on Lamar, though. Yeah, but he has to play. (laughs) Right. But, yeah, sounds good. Uh, We'll move over to the NBA here then. My first – yeah, my first question for you. Um, Kevin Durant, does he retire as a Brooklyn Net, or do you think he's going to finish his career somewhere else? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say if he does retire, if he does go – First off, I don't think he is going to retire somewhere else, but if he were to, I think it's going to be with the uh, Washington Wizards because he was born in D.C., grew up in D.C. I feel like that's where he'd leave his staple of retiring is with the Warrior, or the Wizards. So I think he is going to be a net for life for the rest of his career, I should say. But that's where I, th- I could see him signing a one day and retiring maybe as a Washington Wizard hometown. Yeah, I think – to the legacy or the kind of the dynasty that they're on the verge of creating in Brooklyn again with all the right guys um, on paper they're the best team when they're all healthy uh, really have yet to see them all 
really a handful of games since they've all come to Brooklyn that you all that you watch them play together and it's the greatest show on hardwood when they are um but again you got to keep them all healthy again the whole Kyrie situation of they make it to the playoffs she's not going to be eligible for the two away games every series or the two home games every series I should say um is that how much of an impact is that going to have again looking like they're going to be one of the top teams come down the stretch but the implications of that James Harden when he comes back is he going to be healthy um I don't know but yeah as far as Durant and his career it it makes sense for him to retire in Brooklyn if they're able to win a finals or even get to the finals they're going to carry that into next year of let's go back to back or we were this close let's go win it this year um because how old is he 33 33 so again another three to five years of prime i mean if you're gonna if we're gonna use lebron as a benchmark he's 38 so um again if you're gonna like again use that as a benchmark he's got four or five years of prime left in him if he can do what lebron does at the at that level but um, how much different do you think his career would have been if Portland didn't fuck up and draft Greg Oden and drafted him number one instead? Yeah, that would have been a very different, uh, like of what he would have been able to do in Portland, especially if they got again the cards all fall fell right as far as getting Lillard and McCollum. So you have Lillard at the one, McCollum at the two, and then um Durant as your small forward that's three all-stars and then you the rest of it is I mean obviously you need good guys you can't just play, you can't win games with three people but also look at Brooklyn Kyrie Durant Harden big three where if you have that big three in Portland I think that you would have saw a very similar domination too um but yeah I completely forgot about that because yeah well he ended up because uh he went to the Sonics which hopefully yeah, that that's who turned into Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. again, ho- hopefully too, it'd be cool to because Seattle just got a, a hockey team. It'd be cool to see basketball back in Seattle too. If they are ever looking well, to Oklahoma expand city thunder, if they keep doing as bad as they're doing, maybe they should relocate. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Because ever since, which again, o- Oklahoma City, look at how they screwed that up. Westbrook, Durant, Harden, all on the team together. And they l- traded them or let them walk or basically just. They had a couple other good guys on that team. Didn't too. realize, yeah, didn't realize what they had in their pocket until it was gone. <laughs> yep. Sticking with the Nets here then, do you think that they remain the number one seed in the East through the entire length of the season? Again, a lot of it's going to depend on, I mean, Durant's going to do what he, like Durant, LeBron, both guys, they're going to do what they do, be honest. Again, those three guys, you know what you're going to get out of them every night. Is everybody else going to step up? Um, Again, right now in the East, the only two teams really contesting for that top spot are the Bulls and the Bucks. And Um, the Heat. And the Heat, which the Heat are hurting again with injuries and COVID. They're out uh, 
Lowry, Victor Oladipo hasn't played this season. Bam Adebayo has been out with, a, I think, a thumb injury where he tore later. And they're on thumb. a four-game heater. Yeah. Without them. Um. So, yeah, I guess putting them into the conversation, if they can get healthy. Um, after that, it really drops off, though. Cleveland really relies too much on their defense, and uh, they don't have the offense to back it up. So that's kind of where it drops off for me. So kind of looking at those three teams, honestly, I see they think the only team that can make a run at Brooklyn is Milwaukee, just because when they have Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis all starting, they're like 16-2 and two or 17-2 and two this year. They're like – Again, what you'd expect out of the Brooklyn Big Three as well, as far as how good they'd be. Um, if Milwaukee can stay healthy and have those three guys playing more and more games together, I think they catch Brooklyn. But if Brooklyn can find a way to win until they can get Kyrie through protocols, get James Harden back, and all those guys come back, I think that they get some separation. Right now they have a two-game lead. I think they could end with a five- to eight-game lead come the end of the season. Again, if they get all their guys back and playing the right way. Yeah, I I think this team finishes the number one seed, which is obviously great for Milwaukee again, not having the pressure of being the number one seed. And I could see those four teams, and that's Bulls, Bucks, Heat. All four of those teams are contending championship worthy right now. And then you flip to the other side and you have about the same thing. Four teams that are really championship Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Grizzlies. You really got four teams. And obviously, Grizzlies, you say. Yeah. I remember we were talking about them last week. You didn't. I was saying, do you think they're good enough without Morant to make a playoff a playoff run? And then they shit on the Lakers, which again isn't saying a lot because the Lakers aren't aren't doing anything this year, but well, they were already in the playoffs. Who? The Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just saying, like, because I think they're like the five or six. They're fourth. Well, no, I'm saying like last week or two weeks ago, like they've been climbing up. Like they were in like play in, like the play in like range of seven to 10 for a while. And then like over the last two or three weeks, they've been climbing up, passing Denver. I think they're in the sixth spot. Yeah. Because they jumped the Clippers and Denver. Yeah. But again, there's that separation again where Memphis is the fourth team, but there's six games out. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, Golden State and Phoenix at the top, just going tat tat for tat, 27 and 7 apiece. Um it's gonna be fun. Really, again, on both sides, really, like you said, three or four teams on both sides that you can't can, say can win it. Yeah, that can win it all. But yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of postponed games, I see looking at tonight, Warriors Nuggets got postponed. So I wonder if there's a COVID outbreak. I mean, if there had to have been, that's the only reason games have been getting postponed lately. So um I, I wonder if it's well, actually both teams. I know the Warriors had out. Draymond Green and like two other guys with COVID and then the Nuggets had like three or four as well. So I wonder if they had another outbreak to where they didn't have enough to be eligible to play for tonight, but 
But yeah, then my second question here for you, uh, the top four currently in points scored this season, Curry with 887, Trey Young with 846, Jason Tatum 845, and Durant at 803. Which of these players, or maybe another one you see making a surge and passing them, finishes with the, sto- the scoring crown this season? AD. I think he's going to win it. Him and Giannis. I don't even know where Giannis is on that. Steph's points are getting cut back now that Clay is coming back and all that. So his points are going down. Durant posts like 40 every fucking night. LeBron, even in this conversation, if he can keep doing, he's got the most 30 point games in the league. So it's like, who, what LeBron are we, MVP LeBron is what we're seeing right now, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But, and they're still losing, which is even crazier. But like, yeah, I, I see it's KD, Giannis, or LeBron. I think one of those three ends up taking the reins. Yeah, I actually I think it's going to be Trey Young sitting, sitting in that second spot right now. I agree when James when um well him too, but Clay Young or Clay Young. Geez, I'm just throwing everybody's names together. Clay Thompson comes back, and they're going to get James Wiseman back as well. Two guys who are a big part of their offense. Curry's numbers are going to go down. Jason Tatum sitting at the three spot. Playing in the East, it's tough against these really good defensive teams. And they have other guys on that team, like Jalen Brown, to lean on for scoring. Um, But, yeah, Trey Young is – it's really him and John Collins are kind of their two main scorers. And Trey Young has much more of a three-point game than – Jason Tatum does. So that's why I'd put him ahead of that. Just as far as taking more three point shots, you're going to score more points than a guy taking two point shots. Um, And then like, I I see Durant like moving up the list, but again, Kyrie comes back. That's points out of Durant's hands. James Harden comes back. That's points out of Durant's hands to where he's the, the number one guy on that team. I mean, all these guys are the number one like guy in their team. Look, at, look so. at last. Well, no, look at last year. Who who had the ball at the end of almost every single game when all three of them were? KD had the ball and yeah. the game every time. Like, no, I'm saying all these like all these like Curry's the number one on his team. Young is the number one on his team. Tatum's the number one. Like all these guys play oh. as play as the best score on their team. They get the ball right. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like a lot. Like Durant is at 803. Curry's at 887. It's like that's. 84 points. That, that's two that's games. <laughs> two 40 point games. Yep. Yeah. But again, you have to bank on either Curry missing time or having shit games, which he only had one this year and he's been phenomenal ever since before and after that one bad game when he went four for 20 or whatever it was, his worst yeah. shooting night of his career. And that's funny that you say that, that all it could take is two games for him to be in the top. Warriors have played two more games than the Nets have played. So who's to say that Katie doesn't take the throne after these two games that they catch up? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they even play their next two games too. The Nets? 76ers and Clippers. 76ers, uh, like the better defense. Oh my God. And that's right. What am I thinking? Katie's out from COVID. Duh. What am I even thinking? Oh, yeah, he just got added to the list. 
Was it Christmas he's Day or the out. day after Christmas? Yeah, he's been out since Christmas, I think. I want to see if he played in Christmas Day's game. No, he didn't. She's no. been out since Christmas. Yeah. Hold on. Let me check if he played the game before that. I think he did because – No, I he wanna... didn't. So he was out before – Dude, he's been out since December 18th. And he's still that high on the list. Jeez. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. So I'm going to check the game before that too. I think he did play against the 76ers. I think it was the last game that he played. Yep. And he had 34. So December 16th was the last time he played. So two full weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think he's back for tonight's game either. Or maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. He got cleared. He's back tonight. Okay. So tonight's his first game back. And after missing two weeks and having two games in pocket, it's definitely, dude, KD. <laughs> and on top of it, the Warriors and Nuggets don't play tonight. So Curry's not going to put up any points tonight. Which. Like, just, to, just think about that, dude. He's literally only 80 points back and he's missed two more weeks. That's six games less than all these guys. Or and he's yeah, only eight points back. Or I guess even you could say eight games because of the two that they potentially have, have right. less played. So that means he'd have to score 17, 18 points he'd have to per get game. 10, 10 points a game to tie Curry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katie's just unreal, dude. Like he's just that. He, then that's why they call him the greatest scorer of all time. Like. Steph's the best shooter. He's the best scorer because he fucking scores. Yeah. And who knows? Giannis could potentially be one of the greatest scorers of all time if he can keep doing what he does his entire career. Yeah. Starting to open up his game to range, kind of fixing his and he's free throw better shooting. At shooting too. Yeah. yeah. He's getting better at shooting. So, yeah. Yeah. Then jumping into my last NBA question here for you Who do you think's the next head coach? To get canned. Honestly, I hope. I mean, I, I hope it's going to be Frank Vogel for the uh, the Lakers. Um, I know he's been under a lot of heat. Looking at the guys that he has on that roster, of again, a lot of it falls on them. When you're a coach in the NBA, you're just drawing X's and O's. The rest of it's up to your players and how they perform. But again, yeah, the whole. Look at his situation. Look at all the vets, though. Like, do you think he's telling them anything? No, that's what I'm saying. He just draws the X's and O's, and all right, like, and I'm sure that they have all 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 the the leeway they want to change these plays and like, oh, this actually works better if he's here and sets a pick for him versus on the wing on this side or like, however. Again, I'm not a big basketball nut. I just know the basics of the game and how these plays are set up. Um, but, yeah, if the Lakers continue their slide, I think that they get desperate and make a coaching change to try to get some kind of spark because they have have LeBron playing at a high level. AD's, again, another Band-Aid year. Not, no surprise there. And Russell Westbrook is not performing up to this what they expected him to, though 
nothing about his last couple of years has shown me, oh yeah, he's going to go there and be the top point guard in the league either. So I think that that's the next spark that they, the next change that they make is getting a new head coach in there to spark something, some kind of change. Cause do the Lakers, like you're expected a, to make a, a playoff appearance every single year. And right now they're right on that, that cusp of a couple more losses falling out of it. And I think that that's what it's going to take. The, I think I, that could happen. They continue their skid and um, Frank Vogel's out. I don't think it's going to be the Lakers just because everything. I don't know, dude. Clearly, I feel like at the, in the beginning, he was going to be the scapegoat if shit went wrong. But because Russ is playing so terrible and that they having AD out, like you can't put any blame on this guy. Like literally anybody could be in his shoes and you're going to get the same result, no matter what coach you are at that point with all the vets that they have on that team. I just don't, I, if they do move on from, obviously we know it's all about the image and they don't really give a shit who, what they're firing them just to fire them and change it. Like there's no legit reason why, but I think it's either going to be the magic or the Pistons dude, both teams. So bad. And when you're that bad and you're going to have a great chance to get a lottery, usually that's time for some turnover. So I think one of those two teams, they're going to overhaul. Actually, I'm going to go with the magic because I think the Pistons actually just overhauled this last year. Yeah, the Pistons are making change. have made a lot of changes a lot over the last couple of years. The Magic, I feel like, since I've been this tall, the Magic have just sucked. <laughs> like ever since, ever since Shaq was on the Magic, I can't remember Tracy a time. McGrady. And Tracy McGrady, yeah, like those two in that time frame, was like the last time that watching Magic basketball was fun to watch. And since then, it's like like tonight. Bucks play the magic. All right. Bucks like easy win. Favorite by 14. Obviously, you never know. But like it's the it's the NBA. Like any professional sport where you have it that lopsided, the Bucks aren't even the best team in the league right now. I mean, obviously, like you can make the case that they are, and like uh, like somebody who is a huge Bucks fan with all the stats in the world can make a case that they're the, still the best team, but as a 14 point favorite, if they're playing the Suns or the Nets or the Warriors, that'd probably be like a 17, 18 point uh, margin. So in, in the NBA, like that's just unreal. 20 point, like a four, 14 points, that's half a quarter. So, you're, so that's basically saying the Bucks are going to outscore the Magic for a half a quarter. Bucks are going to score. Magic aren't going to score anything. That's basically like what the line is saying, which again, is probably going to happen. The Bucks are going to go on a 10, 10, run here, a 20 to five run there. And yeah, then they're up by 30 points. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you kind of throwing the magic in that basket of they need change. Last time they had a winning record was 18, 19. They went 42 and 40. Last time that they made it, past the first round of the playoffs you have to go all the way back to 2009 2010 they lost in the conference finals 
Year before that, 08, 09, they lost in the NBA Finals. Year before that, conference semis. So you have to go back over a decade to when that team was actually consistently relevant. Yeah. It's funny you said that because you're just like, I can't remember. I was like, dude, I can't either. I need to go look at the Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 10-plus years ago, that would have been, like, early high school. And I wasn't even really that much into basketball back then. <laughs> but, yeah, sounds good then. Uh, moving over to the ice here, my first question for you. Uh, Minnesota is titled as the hockey state of the U.S. To you, which state is the best overall at hockey based on NHL team, like, I guess, legacies, teams, how they're doing right now? Which state has the best hockey presence right now Minnesota despite having Minnesota. only one team all their talent all of the United States talent comes from Minnesota so yeah I'm going to take all that spread out talent no I'm saying right now originated I'm saying like right now like and it like teams like which teams combined like Taking like Minnesota, you're only taking into consideration wild, the wild, New York Islanders, Sabers. You know what I mean? Like which team, which state has the best teams? Like I know what you're saying. Like a lot of a lot of players come out of Minnesota. That's why they're called the hockey state. Yeah, but those team, those players from Minnesota are all on different teams. Like you know what I mean? They're on. They're across the the, the NHL. I'm saying which state, because there's a lot of states that have multiple teams. So, like, which team collectively has the best hockey teams? Florida. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I guess I, I might have worded it weird, but I was just yeah, like. I didn't under, yeah, I didn't understand what you meant by that. Because I was like, there's no state that beats Minnesota as far as producing talent of hockey yeah. players. No, I'm just saying, like, the best the NHL teams. Team that they play. Yeah. Just like for NBA, like you could say California, because it's like Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, like collectively are have the they have the best like basketball teams for a state. So you're saying Florida? Yeah, Panthers Lightning. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I that's kind of where I was leaning to just because of how good both teams are doing and the only other state really with... went off like legacy and all that stuff, it'd be Pennsylvania. Flyers and Pittsburgh Penguin are both iconic, legendary franchises. So it all depends, you know, what your preference of best is. Yeah. I guess like right now, just like which te- which state has the best NHL teams right now with their rosters. And, it'd be Florida, and it would be Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I, yeah, I think Florida's one. I think that, the next closest would be like you said maybe pennsylvania maybe california just with but also anaheim is really the only team out of out of california that's having a great season the ducks or the and the kings and the kings but the sharks are well the sharks are even having a a decent year i think right they're not they're not like Sharks out have of... 33 points, Kings have 33 points, Ducks have 41. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd, yeah, I'm still going to say, because the only other state that really has multiple teams, New York, Sabres, Rangers, and uh, Islanders. But well, Islanders technically play in New Jersey. Oh, so then I guess New Jersey would then be Islanders and Devils. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the rest of these states are all have one team and they're not enough to. Yeah, because I mean, Florida, Tampa has the two of the top five teams in the East. So, like, that right there says enough. Of the about... league. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. My first hockey question to you is Do you think. When, how long do you think the Canucks winning streak is going to go? I know you previously before we asked which team is going to have the biggest winning streak post-COVID break. Canucks are now at seven as well with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both continued their streaks through these this gap. What's interesting about the Canucks, though, is with their new coach, he sets his record, Bruce Boudreau, seven straight wins with the new franchise. How long do you think their winning streak lasts? Um, I'm just say kind of looking at their schedule. I say it ends at nine. They play the Kings tonight. They play the Kraken Saturday. Oh, so that'd be ten. Yeah, so they beat the Kings, beat the Kraken, beat the Senators, and it's either going to be the Panthers or the Lightning that hand that end their streak. So either ten or eleven games, I think, is what they're going to end up at. Just because, I mean, like, obviously, go Kraken. Hopefully, they, they're the team to do it. But, again, they're kind of on a shit, shit streak right now where Canucks are hot, Kraken are not. The hockey is a lot, a, a lot of game of runs of making sure that your win streaks far outweigh your losing streaks. And Canucks are starting to turn it around to where they're 15 and 15. They're just coming back over the hill to where they can get back above 500 with a win tonight. So yeah, they're nine and one in their last 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it's either 10 or 11 losing to the Panthers or the lightning. And then after that, like it's, if they get through the whole like Panthers, lightning, hurricanes, capitals, predators, Panthers, again, like they got three easy games and all easier games in the, Kings, Kraken, Senators, but then they got a tough stretch stretch of like six games after that. So, yeah, that's what I think. That's how far they're going to make it. Sounds good. What do you think? Yeah, if they have their streak still intact by the time that they play Florida. I think Florida ends it. One of those two Florida teams are going to end it. No matter which one it is, I feel like one of them is about to beat them. Mm -hmm. But holy shit, if they keep rolling like that, they'll be at the top of the Pacific. Yeah. Sooner than anybody realizes it if they keep rolling. But also, if they're not careful, they end their 7, 8, 9, 10 win streak, whatever it's going to end up being, and they turn around against these really tough teams and they back up back up that win streak with a five losing streak. And then that 
that streak you just went on means nothing because now you're sliding back down the rate the the standings again. But yep, that's why. Like I've said since day one, since we started covering hockey, it's just like it's so important to not let your streaks go too long. Like it, it's better to almost win one, lose one, win one, lose one, then seven in a row, 10, 10 behind, you know, it's better to stay that 500 instead of going negative. And like, look at the wild right now. They were the best team in hockey four game shitter right now. They could potentially be out of the playoffs <laughs> like in two weeks. Yeah. You know? Like it's insane. It's cool. How much, like how the two points a game I feel like is what makes it so interesting. And then you get one for the overtime where it's like in the NFL, if they did that too, it's like two points for a victory. You get one point. If you make it to overtime, zero points for, and there's no tie. Yeah. So that at the end, there will all be, there will be no debate of, oh, they got the same record, but this team's better. Look at the numbers. It's all, it'll all be right there. Yeah. Yeah. Then all you add in is regulation wins is the number one tiebreaker. How many games could you actually close out in regular time without needing extra? That's the number one tiebreaker. And the second one is overtime. How many overtime wins you got? Yeah, I wonder if they'd ever implement something like that. Like, I think it'd be neat if they did. It'd make it simpler. Get rid of the tie. Like, get rid of the tie. You know, if you win a game in regulation, you get two points. If you both make it to overtime, each team gets one point. Whoever comes away with the victory gets that second point. But it's then, called an overtime win, not a regulation win. Mm-hmm. So for that tiebreaker statistic. But then they'd obviously have to revamp their overtime rules too. Right. Which they should do. I've always loved what McAfee said, dude. Kicker showdown. Mm-hmm. Where they start at like the 30, move back five yards. Go back all the way to the 50, then move over to the hashes, come back down your way, you know, or play a game of pig, kicker to kicker. Call out your shot, nail it. All right, can you do this? Boom. Like, make it miss. Make Like how the NHL is with the shootout. Mm-hmm. It's like it should be exactly like that, tit for tat. Like I almost feel like every sport, if you did that in overtime, all the overtime periods, it would be so much more entertaining. Like so many more people would love sports. How would you do it in bat? I'm trying to think how you do it in basketball. Three point shooter, your best shooter out on the floor, dude. Tit for tat. All right, I'm gonna make it from here. Okay, you make it from here, and then it's like once he fucks up, then you have the lead. Boom, boom, boom. Whoever he misses, you win. Or do it like uh like how they do like at the halftime things where each guy's staying on the free throw line three two one go you got to make a free throw three pointer half court whoever does it first wins <laughs> right like you could do something like that and then baseball too three best hitters got to throw a fastball right down the middle pitcher throws fat bring out the little netting the BP cage thing pitcher throws here right down the middle and you three best batters. You get three chances. Whoever hits the most home runs or the furthest combined distance of feet, because all that's tracked now so easily. Mm -hmm. Most combined feet total wins. Like how great, you know, like how entertaining would that be to watch that? Yeah, because I know there's some some people that lose interest once it comes to overtime of because no if team's some, trying to lose at that point, like especially yeah. in the NFL. 
no team's trying to lose in overtime. Nobody's You're not trying to risky. win, but you yeah. don't want to exactly. We're throw the chips on the table. One point for the overtime win, and then you make it go, go, go. You know, like I feel like sports could just totally be revamped in a handful of ways. Like, like I've always loved the shootout. Three on three overtime is already entertaining enough compared to five on five. And NHL was great in switching that because exactly both teams are playing defense. They don't want to give up the goal. All right. Now we're going to take the five players, make it teams are putting their best three players out there and more ice, more room for quick scoring for the game to be over. Cause normally in overtime, if a goal is not scored in the first minute, yeah, it ain't getting scored until the same last thing for minute, the NFL. Maybe. Ten, it's ten minute overtime. If the if a if a team doesn't win in the first five minutes, it's you it very rarely do you Tie. see it come down to right. the end. Where usually it comes down to the end of somebody's <sighs> trying a super long ass field goal in the at the end of overtime with three seconds left, and it's like you go through you went through all that for ten minutes of overtime just for it to come down to one kick. You could. Again, have it come down to kicker versus kicker. You could have solved it a half hour sooner and a lot less and wear and tear on these guys' bodies. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're listening, NFL, all these teams, clip this and call us when you're ready to implement it. We want credit for it. <laughs> yeah. We'll come up with a strategy to implement it. Yeah. Um, my second hockey question for you here then, uh, with the NHL becoming younger and younger as time goes on, again, this is going to be a one-sided question, throwing it at you to di- digest it. What do you see as the easiest path for a youth hockey player to make it to the NHL? And again, just to so, give the audience some context as far as, again, EC, like EHL, like OHL, like all the different to again show how complex it is right now. So the easiest way obviously would be like a Sidney Crosby situation or Connor McDavid. Obviously he came from Canada, but still no matter what country you come from, it's kind of like the same. You play in your respective, the highest division that you could play in whatever your age group is. So younger, whether that being triple a high school, varsity and then besides varsity hockey you have your team wisconsin your team minnesota those teams you got to make those teams and then in juniors you know just making your all-star teams being leading putting up the stats almost it's like if you put up the stats they will find you no matter where you're at like you'll get your one look whether you know about it or not you'll at least get your one opportunity for a scout to be in the rink and be like, this kid's got it or he don't. And that could all, it could be two seconds. Like they could watch one shift and be like, nope. All right. And that's the way that it goes. But the easiest path would be to obviously play on those teams. And then, or instead of going the high school route, you you go to Shattuck St. Mary's, Culver Academy, these prep schools that prep you up for that D one almost lifestyle of, you know, you're going to get a scholarship full ride out of this. So if you do that, you're basically getting a full ride, but college I'd say is the more risky end of getting it to the pros because there's so many people who play D one hockey, so many people who play D three hockey, and it's really kind of all mishmangled together in one 
thing because you're really only competing against your birth year as far as making it after your draft year it really doesn't matter like you're gonna have to your play is gonna have to get you there if you get passed over as your draft like if you don't get drafted if you're not pegged as one of the guys your play is gonna have to speak for itself and you're gonna have to do it that way which is the hardest way obviously to do it but play team usa juniors you know world development team that's the route that you do it and it all starts with like team wisconsin stuff like that team minnesota it all starts with that playing well getting noticed by team usa the u.s development camps all of that stuff and if you get in you're going to the nhl so yeah i'd say that's probably the easiest path without risking too much because if you play juniors Quebec major junior WHL, you play some of these top end junior leagues where you're getting paid in, in North America. Cause you're not just competing against the United States. You're competing against North America. Cause can schools can sign Canadians and Swedens and stuff too, you know, like all these teams can take from the whole world. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're competing against basically North America growing up here is your main competition and OHL. If you go to the OHL when you're a super young kid, you're that's kind of your chance, but you're also risking it because you can't go to college and play a sport. Like, yeah, you can go to college for education, but no, you can't play sports. Which I wonder if now that it's different since name image likeness is now a thing. Like, I wonder if that it, it I wonder if that's changed at all. I, I'd have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah, because you just the second you take a penny, you're exempt. But now again, there's I'm sure there's college hockey players that have name image likeness deals now to where Owen power number one pick. Yeah. He's it was like 75 bucks an auto autograph. So he's making cash. Like he's making good money mm-hmm. being the number one draft, pick, you know, like, fuck. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that's probably the easiest way. You got to be a, a good player and a good person and, basically not have a bad moment because when you're on that stage, one bad moment, your shots over, like you're replaceable and hockey's Mm -hmm. like, what's so crazy about hockey too, is just like all these other leagues. You can say like the people who are in the NHL are for like the people who are in the NFL are for sure. The best players, people who are in the MLB are for sure. The best players, like in the NHL, you have so many guys who are in the AHL. Like the AHL is so much more competitive and so much more cutthroat because you're trying to make it. It's all the guys trying to make it instead of the guys who've made it. So it's like, there's so many people like, and that's why they say, if you don't get passed in your first couple of years through the AHL, you ain't ever getting through mm-hmm. because it's that cutthroat. And like you said, it's younger and younger and younger kids. It's just like, there's so many kids that can, hop on the phone, take a bus over and they're in your spot playing that are just as good, if not better than you, which is, I don't understand how they do it all. I don't the whole scouting, all that stuff. Like I've just never really understood all that because it's like, you're gambling so much with young kids putting them. Like, I feel like, like the first scouting comes out when you're a sophomore in high school. It's like the central scouting report. It's like, you can go check where your name is on the list of that thousands hundreds, thousands of kids it's like from that point on you kind of know where you're at and it's just like oh my god i'm number one i'm number one. you know it's like 
it's it's a lot to handle. But yeah, that's the easiest way. Team USA, OHL, and you're pretty much good. Sounds good. And then my last question for you: the NHL has been receiving some pushback from some of the tops, some of the top players, basically, um, in the league, saying it's basically bullshit. How you how they made the taxi squad a thing for this year because of the whole COVID thing. And then they're not letting people go over there Why they can't just use the same taxi squad to cover the people who are gone. And Brad Marchand was one of the people, main person who goes NHL and the NHL PA can change the rules of the CBA to add a taxi squad so that they don't miss any games and don't lose money, which has already been agreed upon by the players and the players are already paying that back in escrow until the owners are made whole from what they already lost during the pandemic. So that's how all these owners are getting their money is that player players are getting taxed more and more until they get their money back and then they'll get their money. So that's already one issue. Then he goes, regardless of how many games are missed yet, they can't do a taxi squad during the Olympics so that they can honor the agreement that they already made to the NHL players way before the season that, all right, it's a full go. And everybody was so pumped. They already started announcing picks and stuff. And now it's all, and he goes, please tell me that that's not bullshit. And for all of you who want to pipe back about forfeiting pay while being gone. Yeah. Not a problem. Let the players make their choice. We got the bank. So it's like clearly these players who are Olympic level worthy are all stars, superstars or millionaires. They could pay for <laughs> It's just ridiculous. And it's just like, do you think the NHL is going to continue to receive more pushback? Or do you think that they're going to end up caving to the players and allowing some of them to go? I mean, I think that they stick to their guns because we've seen in NBA and NFL, anytime the league pushes out a decision, rarely do they ever turn back on it. They tweak it to make it to make the players happy, but still keep the control because they didn't cave in because once you cave in once, like it makes you look vulnerable to where, okay, now if they, if the, they let the players get their way now, they might, the players are going to be like, Oh, we did it once. Let's do it again. And then they push back on this issue, that issue to where all of a sudden a lockout happens because there's too much push from both sides and they can't ever come to an agreement. Like we see in the MLB right now. Um, I think from the get-go, they really should have left it up to the players and it'd be great to see them turn, go back on their word and have some exemption that allows them to go if they want to. But again, because I think that they already made this decision and they don't want as a professional sports organization, they don't want to go back on their word and look bad. I think they stick with it and just deal with the, deal with the repercussions of players calling them out. But yeah, because they issued a statement basically saying we've waited as long as possible to make this decision while exploring every option, blah, 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 to participate. But because they already had to reschedule 50 games, basically, in the NHLs this year is what they're at almost. And he's just like, Olympic participation is no longer feasible. And then Marshawn, the day after they said that, he goes, I know at the end of the day, they don't give a shit about the Olympics. They don't make money on it. The NHL doesn't make money on it. And ultimately, that's what it is. It's business. Yeah. And we're just the asset. Yeah. And that's ultimately what it is. 
But if the players are willing to pay on their own dime, I don't see why that should be any issue at all. Like if they literally want to go over there, the quarantine, do all that stuff, even though everything's changing and all that. Just like if you want to get involved in that on your own dime, why can't you do that? Why mm-hmm. shouldn't you be able to do that? It's just like telling, all right, during the season, if you ever have a weekday off, you can't go on vacation. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to go to the store. You know, it's just like who are you to tell me what to do with my? Yeah, own exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, dude. Mm-hmm. NHL's in some hot water. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, like I said, hopefully they go back on their word, but again, they don't want to look bad, so they probably won't, I feel. All right, then, moving on to our other category question. I'm circling back to the NFL for this one. Uh, which NFL team with a losing record this season do you see making the playoffs next year? And I guess, I mean, there's still a losing still, record as of right now. Yeah, so I guess technically there are teams that could make the playoffs, so I'll change it to teams that have been eliminated because there's teams with losing records right now that could make the playoffs so that this question wouldn't apply to them. So I'll say teams that are officially eliminated, which I'll pull that up and ha- and see what that list is. Well, the Panthers, Bears, Lions, Seahawks, Giants, Washington. Jets. Yeah. Houston. Jags and Houston. Yeah, Jags, Houston, and Jets from the AFC. Yeah, Carolina, Chicago, Seattle, Giants, Lions. Which of those uh, five teams, or no, eight teams, do you see making the playoffs next year? Because statistically – it happens every year. There's usually, what is it? Out of the 14 teams, well, it used to be 12, but now it's 14. Out of the 14 teams that make it, usually it's like half and half. Half are repeat playoff appearances. The other half are teams that weren't in the playoffs the year before. So statistically, one of these eight teams, if not two, are going to be in the playoffs next year. Either the Bears or Washington. Bears or Washington. Yeah, I'm looking at the AFC side. I it ain't any one of those teams. It, it's AFC, not going to be one, that. Yeah, and it ain't going to be the Giants because they're bringing back their basically the same fucking team. So that leaves you two options because it ain't going to be the Lions. They ain't going to. You know what though. That's who I would put. I'd put the Lions' chances of making the playoffs above the Panthers for next year. And the Giants. Yeah. It ain't going to be Seattle because Russ is gone. Mm-hmm. So I could see, yeah, the two teams. I could see the Bears, though, like healthy. Washington, same thing. If their defense never would have got banged up and they literally their top two D linemen basically missed the whole entire year. Three, actually, but one came back. Sweat actually came back, but Kerrigan and Young were out for the whole year. It's like, that's a cornerstone of your team. Bears, too. Max been out. Like, their defense has not been whole all season long, basically, it seems like. So, and Fields is trending up, you know, stuff like that. So, it's just like, 
I'd put my money on the Bears in Washington. I think those two teams have the best chance. Yeah, I agree with you. Those are the two teams I think. If Seattle keeps Russell, add that, them to that conversation as well. Um, yeah, the Bears are a healthy team and a good quarterback, which, again, Justin Fields in his second year might pop off. So if their de- defense can stay healthy or get back to healthy, they get back Tariq Cohen healthy, David Montgomery, who's been banged up all year. Maybe they shop Allen Robinson to try to go out and get somebody else, a younger guy to add to the team. Um, yeah, one of those two teams. And again, if Seattle keeps Russell, I think that they're honestly might be above Washington or Chicago to get back. But again, they'd have to get, they'd have to get missing other pieces too. But yeah, it's funny on the AFC side, like not a shot. Unless some snowballs chance in hell, Deshaun Watson is like back on the Texans next year. They might have a chance, but the rest of that team is such a shithole that one really good quarterback is not going to do they lose 35 to nothing 30 like 8 to nothing that's and not your pound the chargers yeah i i didn't get well davis mills what did he have a really he had a really it's good game either guy yeah cuz i think i saw for rookie He's quarterbacks a couple times this year <laughs> for rookie quarterbacks there's only two games that have that a rookie quarterback has posted a 130 rating or higher and davis mills has both of them <laughs> yep so yeah maybe they build around him and say screw watson at that point then they just all right if you want to play screw yourself over we found our new guy once you're ready to talk like the trade him they could so sad. They, they could be in a good i mean obviously at four and eleven they're very like much one of the worst teams in the league but if Davis Mills can build off those two games and consistently do that every week, they shop Deshaun Watson and turn that into some value for their defense. But yeah, it's a long shot, but yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Then my last question for you: If you could pick a current PGA Tour member to be your best ball partner, who would you choose? Bryson DeChambeau, because my drivers are fucking awful. <laughs> and you've been golfing with me enough to attest to that. I need a guy who could get me three-quarters of the way to the hole off the tee. Maybe we use some of my putts now and then, some of my chips. But I need somebody who could crush the ball 400 yards off the tee. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'd am gonna go with DeChambeau. Okay, then I'm going to ask you a second part of this question. If it's not competitive just for fun, who would you like to shoot around with? Most. I don't know if it counts, but Tiger. I mean, he still has his tour card, even though he's not playing right now, but him excluded. <sighs> I'd say either Morikawa, just because he seems like a really chill, like goofy dude, just in like his interviews and stuff. Seems like a really chill, chill dude to just go shoot 18 with or like Capco would be fun just because like he's really good, but also I feel like he's too competitive to where if like I'm holding him up, he'd yell at me kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah I'll, I'll just say Morikawa because again he's young he's like right at our age so like a lot of in common there and like I said he just seems like a chill goofy guy that would be fun to go shoot around with yeah competitive I'm taking Brooks and then just for fun I'd love to golf with Ricky Fowler both of us all orange outfits show up to the tips uh he's a cool ass dude too I follow him on Instagram and stuff so yeah he's always he seems like one of the chillest coolest dudes too so yeah that's what i would sounds good um then wrapping up our college football talk here again um with some of the bowl games which is kind of a shit show in and of itself of games getting canceled um but nonetheless, just to kind of, again, recap to everybody, maybe this is your first time listening to our episode for all the all the games. I shouldn't say all the games. We missed a couple here and there just with the way our episodes fall. Um, like today, we ended up missing yesterday's game and the Tennessee-Purdue game that's going on right now as well. Um, but we've been flipping a coin, random coin flip generator, just pulling it off of Google and basically letting the coin decide Heads or tails, who's going to win the game? And as of right now, do, 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 so that's two, three. We're just going to do them all. Oh, you tallying up the record? Ta- yeah, tallying it up what um, what it looks like. So up until now, uh, through 19 games, the coin is 7 and 12. So from the last – the uh, last episode, the coin went three and two, which is its best day record. It's had a losing record every other day. Um, and again, the holiday bowl between UCLA and NC State got canceled. So that is exempt from the list. That's just a non-complete, I guess. We're not going to count that one, but. Oh, it should be a win. It's why? Well, it picked UCLA. So technically it counts as a loss since they have the team that had to forfeit. Yeah. <laughs> if it's NC State, I put it. I yeah, we could put it as a win. But since it's UCLA, we technically would have took an L on that one. But um, but yeah, what games? We're just gonna do the rest of them, rest of the bowl games. Oh yeah, including just, including, including the, the next Tuesdays. Let's just get them done. And the the semifinal games that are going on this weekend too. Yeah. All right, um, I will pull up the coin. How many games are left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Well, how many? There's, well, Let's do next, let's do the whichever ones are on there's Tuesday. Today's, tomorrow's, Saturdays, and then there's one game left on one, one lone game left. The Texas Bowl that got rescheduled. To, on Tuesday. That's the last. Yeah, that's the last bowl at eight p.m. LSU Kansas State. Yeah, I think we might as well just do that one today. That's what I said. We yeah. might as well just wrap do them wrap them all up. Yeah. Besides the finals game, obviously we'll have to do we'll do the coin for that. Yeah, during the week, so that'll be next weekend. All right, you pull it up here. Right, that'd be next weekend. The college, the bowl, the the championship would be next weekend, right? 
Or is that a Monday? Usually it's on a Monday or a Tuesday. So would it be? I didn't know if they were doing did it that. Yeah, soon. Monday the tenth. Oh, so, so two Mondays. A week and a half. Two Mondays. They have Bowl Week. That's right. They got the NCAA Bowl Week, which ESPN is basically coverage of that the whole week. Yeah. But with COVID, who knows now? Yeah, it's, there's a lot of, like like New Year's Day is probably the best day of bowl games. Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Citrus Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Outback, mm-hmm. all good ranked teams. But yeah, we can start with tomorrow then. Well, today. So today's we have the Peach Bowl, 13 Michigan or 13 Pittsburgh at 11 Michigan State. I'm not I'm not reading the favorites or none of that. We could just do the heads or the tails. What is it? The Peach Bowl? Peach Bowl. Pittsburgh at Michigan State. All right. Uh heads is the road team, tails is the home team. Tails, yep, tails is home. So that's Michigan State. Yep. All right. Then we have the next one, the Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin at Arizona State. Arizona State. Then we have the next game, the Gator Bowl, 20 Wake Forest at Rutgers. Rutgers. Followed by that, we have the Sun Bowl, Washington State versus Central Michigan. Central Michigan. It's been four tails in a row. I thought it was supposed to be like dead even with <laughs> heads or tails. It's been four tails in a row. So then following following that game, we have the two um, semifinal games, the Cotton Bowl Classic for Cincinnati at one Alabama. <laughs> Five tails in a row. Then the next one, the Orange Bowl, three Georgia at two Michigan. You said it's an Orange Bowl? Yep. And it said Georgia at Michigan. Correct. Georgia finally got the heads. Georgia Bamery match. Just what's yeah, that? of course. Even the freaking even the freaking coin is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> next is the Outback Bowl. Penn State at 22, Arkansas. Back to tails, Arkansas. You can tell that's what it's rigged, dude. (laughs) How many tails in a row in the one just so that I can make a freaking Bama Georgia natty? That's funny. The Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma State, number nine at five, Notre Dame. Who is that? Oklahoma State? Yeah. Versus at Notre Dame, yep. Yep, so OK State. Next is the Verbo Citrus Bowl. Iowa, 17 at 25, Kentucky. 
Iowa. Following that, the all Rose Bowl game. 10 Utah at 7 Ohio State. Ohio State. Then second to last year, we got the Sugar Bowl. Six Baylor at eight Ole Miss. Ole Miss. And then the last college bowl game, obviously, besides the national championship, we got the Tejas Bowl. LSU at Kansas State. Neither teams which are from Texas. <laughs> Kansas State. Go Cougs. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be obviously updating that on Monday's episode and then high, or, uh, previewing our um, the national championship. It also, it was a while ago, I think, almost a month ago we gave our college football predictions here i'll pull this down um we gave our score predictions of the semifinals games and i'll just recap them here quick one alabama versus four cincinnati austin picks cincinnati with the upset 28 27 i have alabama winning 42 to 30 in the two versus three game michigan georgia Austin has Michigan 35-21. I have Michigan as well, 31-28. So we'll see how accurate those scores are. Uh, probably throw them up on the socials too, so you guys can check those over out over there. And troll us in the comment section if we're very wrong or you disagree with us. But, um, yeah, that should be everything. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for uh, tuning in again. Obviously, this is a little bit of a wacky week since it was a Monday, Thursday, but hopefully we get back on track next week with the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We should have a couple awesome interviews coming up for you guys soon here. So make sure to tune in next week on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Safe New Year's. Have a happy New Year's. And yeah, I guess we can say this is the first year going into year two of the podcast. So um, thank you all who've been with us for that. We really appreciate it. And yet again, have a safe New Year's. See you next year. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs>